or your background, but you attend the house of God, you come to the Lord's table, you pray in the prayer meeting, you're supportive of the work of God, that's fruit and evidence that the Lord has saved you and redeemed you. And so we would want to make sure they're saved and they would meet um, meet with uh, the elders or meet with the pastor and then uh, that service would be arranged at some point in the future. We do have a baptismal tank uh, downstairs. I've never seen it. Some of you probably have. Some of you may have been in it. Um, but uh, there is one uh, downstairs as well. So that would really be that would really be the progression. Um, you know, we you know someone wouldn't just say at the end of this morning service, you know, I trusted Christ halfway through your sermon. Can I be baptized now? And uh, so there would be a bit of a progression there. They would grow in the knowledge of God, grow in the things of the Lord, and baptism would be would be in the future. Um, my personal opinion is not a long way off in the future, uh, but you know they would you know there would be a time to grow, a time to understand what baptism is about, a time to understand you know more of more of salvation and more of the Lord and growing and um, being sanctified. So it wouldn't be something that would happen you know sixty seconds after you're saved. And I know some churches would do that, um, but we would. We would apply the brakes slightly and, you know, give time for the evidence of a true profession of faith. Um, and, you know, that could take, that could take, that could take weeks, months, um, preferably probably, my opinion, a little, a little quicker than, I know individuals, and I'll probably say this this morning, who, who have been elders in churches and they haven't been baptised. They're involved in organising the baptising of others, but they've never been baptised. And so, you know, that's, that, that jars slightly uh, in my understanding. You know, every believer should be baptised, and certainly those who are involved in baptising others should be baptised. Um, but for whatever reason, that, w- that was the case in that situation. And I know other believers who, you know, have went 30 years, they've never been challenged about ba- being baptised. And uh, eventually they have. So um, I don't think waiting 30, 40 years is, is a good thing. In some cases, you know, that, that may be the case. But it's good to obey the Lord's command in baptism. I've seen, I've seen mature converts in their 80s be baptized. I've seen young converts in their 80s being baptized. I was baptized at the age of 11 um, a few years ago. And so there's a... It's a big subject, and there's lots of things, but that would really be the progression. So, we. just a comment. Uh, first of all, testimony. I, I held back on baptism because I justified it. Okay. By saying, "Well, the thief on the cross was not baptized, even though he got saved." Yes. Yes, and, and that would be a reason people would use. He was never baptized. Um, but it's also a reason that your baptizing doesn't, doesn't save you. So you trust Christ in salvation. You don't need to be baptized to actually be saved. Um, and so the dying thief was saved, not baptized. He was with the Lord. Um, but it's not an excuse for not being baptized, um, as, our brother, as our brother said. So does that answer? <laughs> There's a lot of talking for a little question, but does that help okay and we'll, we'll be touching on some of those things this morning as well so 
Okay, we're going to turn in the Word of God to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. Matthew, chapter 28. And there are notes on uh, the table by the door there, if you haven't picked up a set of notes yet. Matthew 28, and we'll read some verses here, and then we'll pray. Verse 19, the Lord Jesus Christ is giving the commission to the disciples and to the church. It's the same commission as we see in Mark, and but a different wording as well. But it says in verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. And there we have the Lord's command to the disciples, the apostles, the church, go and teach and go and baptize. And so in... So in that, in that verse, we have uh, the Lord's command to baptize. That's something for us to keep in mind as we come to consider this subject this morning. It's a command of the Lord. It's not the command of the church. It's a command to the church by the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. So let us pray and seek the Lord. Our Father and our God, we Thank thee for this morning. We thank thee that we can come to thy house. We thank thee that as thy people we can gather together to consider thy truth and consider this subject of baptism. And we pray that thou would help us to understand. We realize it can be a complex issue. There are many opinions and many different views concerning these things sincerely held. And we pray for unity. We pray, Father, that Uh, we would understand uh, the importance of baptism. And we pray that thou would bless thy truth, apply thy truth to us. We pray and we ask for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. The Westminster Shorter Catechism asks the question, what is a sacrament? What is a sacrament? And we, as Reformed Christians, as Protestants, have two sacraments, the Lord's table and baptism. And the answer is given that a sacrament is a holy ordinance instituted by Christ, wherein by sensible signs Christ and the benefits of the new covenant are represented, sealed, and applied to believers. And so baptism is a seal of salvation. It is a seal that you are in the church of Christ as in the the church, the body of Christ, not necessarily denomination, but part of the Lord's church, the Lord's people. And the sacraments were instituted to represent the Lord Jesus Christ and his benefits. They point to him and to the blessings that flow from his salvation. In Matthew 28, we have read here of the sacrament of baptism. And the church has given a great command and a great promise before the Savior ascends to heaven. And we, have the ch- we as the church today 
have this sacrament, baptism, this commission as well, to practice locally, but also globally as the church of Christ. And not merely saying that Jesus saves, but discipling, teaching all nations, teaching and instructing them in the way of the Lord, and baptizing. And so to use a missionary scenario, we go into a remote part of the world, there's a village. We go in, we preach the gospel, people are saved, they're redeemed, we walk away and go somewhere else. No, you stay and you disciple and you teach and instruct and baptize. And the point of missionary work is to establish New Testament churches, to plant churches where those believers can fellowship together. And of course, baptism is part of that. What is baptism? Well, the Westminster Confession of Faith says that baptism is a sacrament of the New Testament ordained by Jesus Christ, not only for the solemn omission of the party baptized into the visible church, but also to be unto him a sign and seal of the covenant of grace, of his engrafting into Christ, of regeneration, of remission of sins, and of his giving up unto God through Jesus Christ to walk in newness of life. Which sacrament is by Christ's own appointment to be continued in his church until the end of the world. And baptism is something that every believer should do. A command that every believer, by God's grace, should obey. But as we come to baptism, baptism can be a difficult subject. There are those that set this aside because it can be difficult to comprehend and understand. We should never do that. We should approach this subject with the word of God open before us, in prayer asking the Lord to instruct us in his ways. Secondly, baptism can be a divisive subject. Baptism has greatly divided the church of Christ over the years in two particular ways. The subjects of baptism should baptism be limited to believers only or also to the children of believers should uh, baptism sorry the second uh, division there is the mode of baptism how do we baptize immersion which is dipping the total immersion of someone in water bringing them into the water covering them with the water bringing them up again which is believers baptism which is I think commonly and generally uh, known as the mode of baptism. Uh, but there are also churches that sprinkle or pour. And so what mode is right? What mode is biblical? And therefore, baptism can divide. But it ought not to do that. And we'll come to consider that shortly. But baptism is a command. It is a command. It is the command of the Lord to his born-again people in order to publicly declare their discipleship to Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. Those who were baptized first attended to the word, uh, but uh, they were baptized. We see that in Acts at the day of Pentecost. There were believers who were saved. They were converted to Christ, and then they were baptized. And we see that example throughout the New Testament and throughout the book of Acts specifically. Baptism is not optional and every professing Christian should be baptized. 
The Westminster Confession of Faith says that although it is a great sin to despise or neglect this ordinance, nevertheless, grace and salvation are not so inseparably connected with it that a person cannot be regenerated or saved without it. Neither is it true that all who are baptized are undoubtedly regenerated. And there are those who are baptized, and well, there's been no profession of faith. There's been no salvation. And they're brought up in a church that doesn't teach the gospel. At some point, they're baptized. And their baptism is a sham. It's a fraud. It's false. Because there is no salvation. And then uh, there are those who have never been baptized. Does that mean that uh, they are saved? Not saved? Does that mean that they are not regenerated? No. No. Again, the dying thief is an example of that. He did not have the opportunity to be baptized. Uh, but he went to heaven. But again, that is not a reason to neglect baptism. And we encourage, if there are those here who are not baptized, we encourage you to be baptized. We encourage you to he, heed the command of the Lord and to come and to go through uh, the waters of baptism. It is a badge as well. The Latin word here, sacramentum, is translated sacrament in English. It was a Roman military term of initiation into military service, declaring the soldier's allegiance. And to receive the sacrament of baptism is therefore a badge. It acknowledges the Lord Jesus Christ is the master. He's the Lord of your life. He's the Lord of your life. And it is something that is public. If you go through the baptismal waters, if you say, I want to be baptized, and pastor, we went through that uh, procedure at the start of the service if we went through that and you talked to me and filled in your form and uh, met uh, with uh, the minister or the session and we decided we're going to baptize you well how does that service take place it's not just you and the minister downstairs and he takes you into the baptismal tank it's a public event it's open to all you can bring your friends you can bring your family it's advertised here in the church and individuals are encouraged to come and to see this brother, this sister making this step of faith and declaring that they belong to Christ, that he's their Lord, that he's their master. It's a public thing. It's not something that ought to be done secretly or in private. It is a symbol. The Shorter Catechism says that baptism is a sacrament wherein the washing with water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost does sig signify and seal our engrafting into Christ and partaking of the benefits of the covenant of grace and our engagement to be the Lord's. We gave the larger catechism answer there as well. The larger catechism builds on the shorter and gives a more in-depth answer. And we won't read that for the sake of time, uh, but it's included in the notes, I believe. Baptism is an outward symbol, then, of an inward grace. The inward grace being the washing away of sin and the indwelling of the Spirit of God. It signifies union with Christ. It is a seal. A seal. The work, the saving work is done in the heart before you're saved. I think that's the important thing. Baptism doesn't save. Baptism doesn't save. There is something called baptismal regeneration in which you are converted to Christ or there's this change, this work within your heart because you are baptized. And that is unscriptural. 
going through the waters of baptism is something that happens after you believe, after you're saved, as a symbol, as a badge, as a sign, as a seal, but it is not something that is the cause of salvation or that regeneration by the Spirit of God within you. And that's an important distinction to make. Scripture shows us that baptism symbolizes cleansing or purification. And it is the responsibility of the spiritual oversight of the church, the elders, to make sure that those who are candidates for believers' baptism are truly believers in Christ. That's why we said there, there will be the application form, there will be the talk, the interview, talking and making sure that you are saved. And certainly, if someone comes who we know well, and someone who's been attending the meetings faithfully, and it's clear there's evidence of grace within your life, it's a very easy interview. If someone comes through the door for the first time, we don't know them very well, they want to be baptized, well, we need to investigate a little further and make sure that their profession is a real profession because we don't know them. We don't know them. Who should be baptized then? Do we baptize everyone? No, we baptize those, firstly, in the notes, all adults who are soundly converted to Christ through the power of the gospel and are committed to being a disciple for Christ, and they should be baptized by the church. As with participation at communion, we set the age at 16, as a minimum age for the baptism of believers to ensure that the young person has the maturity required to give a credible profession of faith. This can vary between churches. I did say I was baptized at the age of 11, uh, but it does vary uh, between churches, and uh, different uh, churches can have different uh, standards or different requirements regarding that. But 16 would be uh, our requirement. Infant children then, secondly... Infant children of believing church parents who are committed to the covenant view of children in the visible church may also be baptized. Parents may present their child or children to be baptized to future faith and repentance. And this is important with the understanding that baptism does not mean regeneration or salvation at the time of baptism. And that is the historic Protestant reform view. It's not a Roman Catholic position. Yes, we know uh, that uh, there is the baptizing of infants in Catholicism. It's different. It means something different. And our main focus here is baptism before membership. Uh, but of course, uh, a genuine and proper infant baptism is something that the parents uh, would agree with or want based on their conscience. We'll come uh, to that in a moment. Parents who do not believe in infant baptism may have their children dedicated. When that child is of age and testifies of the new birth, then he or she may be baptized as a believer upon their own profession of faith. Again, dedication does not save. It is a simple thanking the Lord for the safe delivery of the child, for the preservation of the mother in childbirth, for praying for the child and acknowledging to the church that we're to pray for this child, that they in due course, in God's time, would come to Christ and know him as their Savior. When should a believer be baptized then? 
Well, as soon as he or she has shown clear evidence of conversion to Christ with the basic comprehension of the gospel and declares a sincere desire to be a faithful witness for Christ, and before a person is received into membership of the church, he or she should be baptized. And I said at the start that I've known individuals and baptism has been delayed many, many years. And it's not something they've seriously considered for whatever reason. I know uh, individuals who have delayed baptism because they're scared of going under the water. And that can be a genuine concern. That can be a genuine concern. We're not making light of that. Uh, We know there are individuals who uh, would have a fear of water, a fear of going under the water, of being covered even for a second by water. And so that can lead to a delay. I don't need to be baptized to be saved. And I have a fear of water. And therefore, well, I'll set that aside. But a fear of water is not something to be concerned about. If you had a fear of water and we were baptizing you, well, you're in safe hands. Uh, Don't worry. But there can be various reasons. But a believer should be baptized after they've shown that clear evidence of a conversion to Christ and that understanding and desire to be a witness for him. And then moving down in the notes, the Free Presbyterian Church of North America and baptism. What do we believe as a denomination about baptism specifically? Well, the Free Presbyterian Church takes a unique approach to the subject of baptism. We recognize that historically there have been widespread differences of opinion between believers. And I've took some of this from our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel. And these believers are committed to accepting Scripture as the divinely inspired and infallible Word of God. But they've come to different conclusions regarding the subjects of baptism and or the mode of baptism. Historically, the Reformed churches have accepted that pouring, sprinkling, and dipping or immersion are all valid modes of baptism. And then there is the belief in Reformed churches that the infant children of believers are included in the covenant and that baptism should be administered to them. In contrast to the Reformed view, Baptist churches practice baptism only by total immersion and only to those who profess faith as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. The infants of believers must then, in a Baptist church, make their own profession of faith before they are baptized. And therefore, baptism has been a controversial subject. 500 years after the Reformation, the subject is still hotly debated, and these notes will not see the resolution of that debate. Rest assured on that. Men have switched from one side to the other. They switched back again. And so that underlines to us the complexity of this debate. Who should be baptized, and how should they be baptized? Difference without division. And therefore, in our denomination... We recognize that good men have differed and continue to differ on this subject. Yet should we separate from one another over baptism? I should say that in these notes we are not going in depth to prove believer's baptism or prove infant baptism or prove one mode over another. The purpose here is to explain that these modes and these views are held. They're held by free Presbyterians. They're held by our denomination and How do we apply that? How do we practice that? And if you want to study whether you should pour or dip 
or sprinkle or who should be baptized. Uh, that is uh, something for another occasion or something you can consider uh, yourself. But we're taking the position that these views, uh, good men have held them. Uh, they are acceptable and valid views. And therefore, we're not proving them this morning. We're accepting that they're there, that they exist. And so how do we work with that? And so can they not hold their view strongly while allowing conscientious brethren to hold a different view? And as a denomination, we believe that they can and they should. And therefore, as a denomination, we have an additional statement to the Westminster Confession of Faith concerning baptism. And basically, our position as a denomination can be summarized by these statements. A liberty of conscience on the subjects of baptism being only believers or the children of believers. And that means that as a member of this denomination, someone who would attend this denomination, you have the liberty of conscience. You can make your own mind up. And if you say, well, I believe believer's baptism is, is biblical, well, I'm not going to come around to your house and try and persuade you otherwise. You have the liberty of conscience and the right to hold that position. If you believe that only infants should be baptized, and of course believers who have never been baptized as infants, then you're at liberty to hold that position. I'm not going to come around to your house and try and persuade you otherwise. There's a liberty of conscience. There's a liberty of conscience on the mode of baptism. And there is respect and love for every believer in having liberty of conscience regarding their beliefs about baptism. And these beliefs can be held sincerely, held believing strongly this is the biblical position. And we're to respect that. And we're to show love regarding that. So the Westminster Confession of Faith on Baptism. The Westminster Confession states, chapter 28, section 3, Dipping off the person into the water is not necessary, but baptism is rightly administered by pouring or sprinkling water upon the person. And then in our additional statement, we do say uh, regarding that, uh, that while dipping the person into the water is not necessary, the third paragraph up from the top, it's not necessary to valid administration of the sacrament. We recognize that it is a legitimate mode of baptism. And so there's a little clarity there uh, that we accept immersion, pouring or sprinkling. And section four, not only those that do actually profess faith and obedience to Christ, unto Christ, but also the infants of one or both believing parents are to be baptized. And so our additional statement then deals with that and deals with the open position and Really what we have said regarding liberty of conscience and respect is found here. There has been bitter division, second paragraph. I just realized your notes are different than my notes. Uh, and so uh, when I say the second or third paragraph up from the top, uh, there is a difference um, because I have a few additional notes here. Uh, but there's a paragraph that says in dealing with this subject that has long caused bitter division or long caused bitter divisions among God's people. We pledge ourselves to hold our views with a loving tolerance and respect for different brethren, all of us being united in repudiating the error of baptismal regeneration. So we have a liberty of conscience. We're to love each other. We're to respect each other. That's important. There's to be a unity despite any difference there may be in baptism. And we are to be united in saying that those who believe that baptism saves you, well, that's an error. That needs to be corrected. 
We also make a statement here that while we, we hold that the baptism of professedly Christian bodies that have so degenerated from the gospel as to be no longer true churches of Christ is not Christian baptism. And so, regarding cults and sects that fail to hold to the central truths of Christian revelation, the Roman Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox churches, we would reject their baptism. And so, those who have been baptized in those churches and they're saved, they come out of them, well, they would be baptized then as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is quite a lengthy statement. I'll let you read that in your own time. The Free Presbyterian Church grants a liberty of conscience on the issues of the subjects and mode of baptism, but we reject baptismal regeneration. That's the point to be emphasized. R.C. Sproul, who passed away a few years ago, when he taught the sacraments at seminary, he would make the students from a reformed position write a paper against infant baptism. And he would make the Baptist students write a paper on the case for infant baptism. He would mark them on how well they articulated the different positions. He wanted that understanding, that patience, that respect of another brother's position. And that's essentially our position. Love, respect, understanding, patience regarding the different views that we may have. And so how is baptism to be performed? All baptisms would be administered by an ordained minister of the church. They are to be conducted under the headship of Christ, who through the authority granted to him as redeemer and mediator of his people, commissioned the apostles to go forth into the world to preach the gospel and to baptize converts as his disciples. It is a church-administered sacrament, a baptism into the church of Christ, not a denomination. You can be baptized and become a member of the Free Presbyterian Church, but if you left and moved away and decided, well, I'm going to go to this other church, you don't need to be baptized again because you've been baptized into the church of Christ. Baptisms are to be performed in the Trinitarian formula using the names of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see that in Matthew 28, 19. We reject baptisms not in that Trinitarian formula. And there are some churches that would reject the Trinity and therefore not baptize using the Trinitarian formula that we have here in Matthew 28, 19. The church or the elders representing the church should hear the candidate's own confession of faith and ascertain if he or she comprehends the gospel before undertaking to administer baptism. A prior interview for this purpose will be arranged at the request of the candidate for baptism. And so there's a bit of a procedure that we're seeing here. A table will then be set for baptism, giving time to announce it to the congregation, which is required as it is a function of the church, as a public event. Number five, we generally practice the dipping or immersion of the adult believer in water while also practicing the application of our denomination's open position on the subjects and mode of baptism. Baptisms are held at a separate time from our main worship services and sometimes have been performed before or after a Sunday evening service. This highlights the priority of worship so that our own conscience regarding baptism should not hinder our attendance at worship. I've seen individuals who have their view of baptism. There's a baptism taking place that... It may be different than theirs. If they believe as Baptist, there might be the baptizing of a child at a worship service. They will not attend that worship service in their own church 
because they don't agree with what's taking place. They don't wish any harm. They don't wish any ill. They just don't feel comfortable attending. And what does that mean? If it's at the worship service, then they're neglecting the means of grace. And it's being a stumbling block, a barrier to them coming to God's house to meet with God. And so baptisms are held separately from the main worship service. And there would be a service. There would be the praise of God. There would be the reading of Scripture. There would be the preaching of the Word of God and the baptism uh, taking place. The baptismal tank is located in the lower level of our church, and so baptisms are planned accordingly. The session number six, the session of the church will record all baptisms, and a certificate confirming baptism is issued. And so you have a certificate, and this is helpful if you move away or you join another church elsewhere, they say, well, are you baptized? Yes. Well, here's the evidence. Here's a certificate saying that I've been baptized on this date in this church, and uh, that can be helpful. Most often, the candidate for baptism will desire membership in the local congregation in which he or she is baptized, but there can be exceptions. And so baptism and membership are separate steps. After baptism is administered, the process for membership in the church can then begin. And membership in a local church is the command of the Lord and is therefore to be encouraged. And so because we require baptism before membership, baptism has to come first. And once the baptism has taken place, then the membership process can begin. We do have forms uh, for baptism that are available upon request. And there is a sample uh, form there uh, in the notes. And it's very, very simple, just your details. And then there are a number of questions here that are asked. Have you been baptized before? We believe that baptism should only take place once. And uh, therefore, if you were baptized as a believer five years ago in a different church, you're coming to this church, well, if that church was a sound church that preached the gospel, it was a good, biblical, godly church, and then your baptism as a believer will be accepted. And therefore, there is no need to baptize you again. But you may have been baptized before. Maybe you were baptized as an unbeliever. Maybe you were baptized in one of those churches whose baptism we reject. Well, it's good to point that out. It's good maybe even to give a reason. I've been baptized before, but I didn't believe I was saved. And therefore, the baptism meant absolutely nothing to me. I believe I'm not baptized properly. I desire to be baptized again, etc. Have you been a member of a church before? And if so, which church? Give a short statement on the reason you're requesting baptism. The simple reason is it's, it is the Lord's command and you desire to obey that. Do you accept the doctrine of the Trinity of the three persons in the Godhead, which be a fundamental doctrine in the Reformed faith? And of course, we baptize in that Trinitarian formula. Do you profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Do you have the assurance of sins forgiven and on what basis? Do you accept the doctrine of justification by faith alone as stated in the Shorter Catechism? And uh, that catechism is given there with scripture proofs. Have you read and considered the information on baptism in our membership and in our baptism and membership course? In other words, have you been here this morning? Have you read the notes? Have you watched it online or on sermon audio? Uh, have you considered uh, what we've said about baptism? 
Are you willing to then state publicly of your baptism that by God's grace you will endeavor to be a faithful disciple of Christ? And so when you're baptized, uh, there is that profession of faith and there is that plea or that promise that you will endeavor to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. And then will you prayerfully seek God's leading to become a member of a sound biblical church? By God's grace and will, uh, you can become a member here or another sound biblical church according to your liberty of conscience. But we encourage that, to become members of the church of Christ. And so it's signed, it's dated. There's a separate application form for infant baptism. We're dealing with a membership, baptism in light of membership, and so it is just uh, the believer's baptism form that is here in the notes. And so that is really a setting forth of where we stand uh, regarding baptism. It's important. It's a command. We have a liberty of conscience. And uh, some may have different views, different opinions. And as long as those opinions are not error or heresy or baptismal regeneration, then there is a liberty of conscience, an open position regarding those things. So that brings our time here to an end. Um, We trust the notes have been helpful, and uh, we won't ask for any questions this morning, but if you do have questions, uh, do do email me, do speak to me, and we can address some of those questions and help you. Let us pray. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy truth. We thank thee, Father, for this sacrament of baptism that reminds us uh, of what thou hast done for us. We thank thee. Uh, Father, that through this means we can profess our love for Thee. We can profess what Thou hast done in our lives. We can, Father, publicly stand and say that the Saviour is my Saviour and I desire to walk in His ways. And our Father, we do pray that as we considered baptism, uh, that if there be those who have never been baptized, that would encourage them uh, to obey the command of the Lord, to be baptized, and to know and enjoy the blessings that flow from that. Father, we pray that would bless us, bless uh, the services to come, we ask, and may we know thy presence, thy blessing upon us. And uh, We pray for Christ's sake. Amen.